We are back, back on the Letterman Jacket podcast, back with the Sooners 7-0 on their way to Lawrence, Kansas this weekend, and back with Garen Emig for the 18th episode of the Letterman Jacket. Garen, number 18, current Sooners, tight end Caden Helms, defensive back Eric McCarty, McAllister, Oklahoma, 1918, also the year that the United States Congress officially established time zones. In a sense, that's who we've got to blame for all these 11 o'clock kicks being so dang early. If you think about it, that's, that is where that issue began. And here we are with Oklahoma set to play another 11 o'clock kick. We're going to get into uh, OU Kansas. We're going to talk about OU's identity, so to speak, flipping. We're going to talk some sign stealing at Michigan and get out of here with a game of Garen and gear out. But first, Garen, we got to check in with our sponsors, Rose Hill Builders. The National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, Our Blood Institute, Bob Moore Auto Group, and of course, Fire Lake Arena, ZZ Top, Raw Whiskey Tour. Still coming at the end of the month, October 28th. Garen, it is not too late to get your tickets in Shawnee. You and Christy could be a date night. I, I like the sound of that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the song by ZZ Top, Eli. We're going to clip that, and that's going to be the, the promo for this whole pod. That's perfect. Well, if you're not going to see ZZ Top, you can, of course, still golf. Hit firelakegolf.com. Weather, little little gray this week, but that just means the course is going to be well watered and all that. So when you're not watching the Sooners, not listening to us, reading our content at Sellout Crowd, head over to Fire Lake in Shawnee. Garen, we're here. We're back. Uh, OU Kansas. Speaking to a KU alum here, so please keep all that in check if you can, as best you can, uh, as we talk about the Jayhawks. We'd appreciate that. Did I wear blue to the show? For some... No, it was nice. Oh, I appreciated that. You're hiding it well. We'll, well see you how did. that goes in the press box. You, you did, too, since I know you've got so much blue in your wardrobe as a, uh, as a Mizzou alum. Hmm. Hmm. And yet we're not repping the alma maters. I've got one of my, class, one of my favorite hip-hop groups, and you've got your favorite uh, proper football team. Yep, Indeed. there it is. Indeed. Well, the shirt's fabulous. Run DMC for those listening on Spotify, YouTube, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and we are going to talk OU Kansas. But before we do that, Garen, I want to jump more big picture into something with you. Oklahoma's defense is for real. And, and perhaps that was to be expected at some point once Brent Venables be- became the head coach. But a program that in its recent history has leaned so heavily on offense and scoring points and quarterbacks. I think that is flipping, and I'm going to ask you if you believe that if, if that is officially flipped back with, with this with this program, is Oklahoma's identity back to being defense before offense? Not yet. I wouldn't say yet because I still think the best path forward for this team is Dylan Gabriel and the receivers. Uh, we've been saying it about the offense in particular really since week one when it dawned on everyone that they're just not going to be able to crank out you know, 250 to 300 yards rushing. They don't have Eric Gray to feed the ball to. They, we still don't know who they would feed the ball to uh, when they really needed a strong kick. Last week, it was Gavin Sawchuk, but I, I got no idea who it would be if they needed that kind of a close in, in Lawrence this weekend. Um, but I also think that's still the predominant characteristic of, of this team, as as well as the defense played. As, as, I'll put it this way, Eli, for as much as that goal line stand against Texas will go down in history as significant and maybe a significant marker and when the program turned back toward defense, 
the thing that won the game was that 75 yard drive engineered by Gabriel and Drake Stoops and uh, Nick Anderson at the tail end and the offense. And so we're not there yet. This isn't, you know, this isn't vintage early 2000s Bob Stoops where they had a defensive player up for almost every national award. May never get there again. But this, there is, I think, more of a balance there. Um, there is more of a question as to whether offense is is not the, the definitive trait of, of uh, OU football. And I think all that does is help Brent Venable's cause. I, he expected this to be the case. He's a defensive guy. Fan base expected this to be the case for the same reason. And they do remember Venables as sort of a you know teeth grinding defensive coach when he was with uh, with the Stoops brothers, uh, but they're they're not good enough yet on that side of the ball to, to to hang an identity on. I think that's fair, and I broadly speaking, and in this conversation, do trust your wisdom. I think <laughs> where where the counter could come is is simply they're probably still seven or zero because of this defense on Saturday against no UCF. Um, the offense. I wouldn't say hung them out to dry, but it was this defense that kept them in that game. That's right. Uh, even with a few miscues, even with the big chunk plays, I think it was two plays for 140 yards that accounted for a lot of what UCF did and, and, and for their scoring. And as much as I do, I do believe Dylan Gabriel is the key to taking this to the top this year if we're going to talk playoff and even just Big 12 title. Mm-hmm. But I also think that the unit that's going to help them win some of these tight games and the games they need to get to where they want to go, it's going to start with the defense because this offense is as prolific as it's been at points or even on certain series. I mean, that, the five plays, 75 yards against Texas were massive, and, and the turnaround in the fourth quarter against UCF was huge, but they haven't proven to be consistent enough yet um, over the course of this season outside of a couple afternoons. I mean, great. They, they, put up, they dropped a lot on Tulsa and on Arkansas State, but mm-hmm. otherwise, consistency still hasn't been there. Some of that's the run game, you point out. Um, and maybe the answer here is that they are more balanced than they've been in years past between offense and defense. But I do believe this defense is what is ultimately going to carry them, even if Dylan Gabriel has to be the best player on this team and the leading force on this team to get them to where they want to go. You said consistency. That's that's a word to turn it back around to um... – maybe more still being more of an offensive focused situation here. Uh, that's what they're missing. I think still on D that, that, that's the last thing that they need to figure out. I mean, the big plays at UCF hit on them to uh, they played really good defense. I thought, you know, 80% of the game, but the, the 20 was pretty ugly. Iowa state, very similar situation when mm-hmm. they, they made uh, a quarterback that I don't know how many fans in the, in the stadium had heard of They're pretty good. Rocco. Rocco, Rocco. Back. Um, Texas made some plays on them, and Texas should make some plays on them because they're they're really good on offense. I'm just saying uh, that I let's put it this way: they're going to Kansas Saturday. It would it would tilt me more in the direction you're going with if they get out of that game without allowing a you know a pair of forty yard plays that that keep Kansas in the game, and I. That's I, I, I just not sold that, that they can keep that, that can they can keep from happening. And again, KU's got some good offensive players, not the Texas caliber, but the Jayhawks have been explosive on everyone. Last time they played, they had five or six plays of over 40 yards on Oklahoma State. OU's got a better defense in Oklahoma State. Don't confuse what I'm saying. But the consistency that Venables harps on and the captains harp on and Ted Roof harps on 
is real. And until they uh, bite down on that, then they, they, the identity is still, to me, going to be with Gabriel and what the, uh, the passing offense in, in, in particular produces. Fair enough. And it's going to get tested again this weekend. We don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for, for Kansas. We'll get to more on that later. But uh, Brent Venables talked about it, that the, the two offenses they're facing consecutively here, UCF and then Kansas, do a lot of similar things. And both have you know running backs who can, who can really test you. Devin Neal uh, for Kansas, Brent Venables spoke really highly of and, and talked about how dangerous he is about a guy that this offense really goes through. He's there. Either quarterback has the ability to stretch OU with their legs and with their arm. Uh, there's going to be challenges here. And this is a, an, a team and an offense that's on the up. It should be a pretty good crowd in Lawrence. I have been reading some tweets from Jayhawk fans who are not pleased that it hasn't been announced as a sellout yet. Sellout? Huh? Huh? That's what we are. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's good. That's but, a perfect uh, right there. That's, that's a company man, ladies. Eli Letterman, company man. Well, Stoops was our first employee of the month. I'm gunning for the second. Um, Got to keep up the apple polishing. But, uh, you know, the f- point is, uh, you know, this should be a good crowd. This should be an offense that if they can spark some big plays, that's you're going to build the recipe to how does Kansas beat Oklahoma this weekend. It certainly starts with two things, big plays and getting the momentum and the crowd into this and going Kansas's way. And when we talk about a defense and you're saying, where can they be better? It's stopping those kinds of big plays, mm-hmm. preventing them. That's a big part of this weekend, and it's a big part of everything the Sooners want to do over the next month. So we'll see what we see in Kansas. We're going to talk more about that, but before we do, I think you know it was interesting. Brent Venables, like just about every other coach in the country uh, this week, was asked about sign stealing in, in the midst of everything going on at Michigan catching people up briefly won't report every detail but and fill in here where you can help me garen but michigan has is under investigation from the ncaa over a sign stealing uh operation scheme Mm -hmm. apparatus this whole thing they had with this staffer who's a former uh a graduate of the naval academy connor stallions uh was recording uh (laughs) you have to get the name i can't hear that name and not crack up Perfect name. College football really does deliver on absurdity very often and down to the names like Connor Stallions. Dude, Connor Stallions should either be two things. He should either be a porn star or he should be a wrestler, a professional wrestler. He should not be a sign stealing football analyst. Well, he is. Uh, He's been described. Oh, absolutely. He should football coach. Although, man, if he coached like a. If, if Connor Stallions became a head coach, like rose from the ranks, you know, legendary high school head coach, then to like low level D3 national champion, and then made it big, and his offenses just ran, Connor Stallions would be a great name. But before that, he, there's no way he could get there because before that, he'd have gotten picked off by a talent scout in either of the two industries that you just laid out. And they would have found skills to match the name, not the other way around. For 20 years, I've been answering questions about why didn't you pick a different pen name? How do you expect mm. people to remember Garen Emig? And I was like, yeah, but, but I, couldn't, I couldn't land on one. And now Connor Stallions has happened. That, I sh- you should be doing the podcast with Connor Stallions, a sellout crowd, is what I'm saying. If, why, didn't well, that name come my, why didn't that name come to my head like, uh, <laughs> like it came into Mark, like Dirk Diggler came into Mark Wahlberg's mm. Boogie Nights? Hmm. 
interestingly, you know, you mentioned wrestling and adult film. Those are typically professions you get into. You've got the talent and then you pick the name, right? This would kind of be a reverse <laughs> deal. Of, if you've got the name, but you have the, the skill necessary, again, for either profession. We don't know that about Connor Stallions, but we do know that he's been described. I can't, I can't flap you. You're unflappable. You're just rolling right on with the show. Like it's a he normal been... conversation. <laughs> Connor Stallions has been described, and this is like real backhanded, as a low-level staffer. That's got to hurt. He's put his whole neck on the line for this, and every report you read, presumably that's coming from all sides of this investigation, including Michigan, describes him as a low-level staffer. That hurts. Uh, he has been responsible for running this whole scheme, uh, in-person scouting, shooting video of uh, opposing sidelines, at times purchasing tickets for friends and family to do that for him. I think it's like 11 of the 14 Big Ten teams, even some of the uh, this is like recent reports, the SEC teams that uh, Michigan might have been preparing to meet last year in the playoff. Point is, it's a whole thing. NCAA is looking into it. And this is certainly going to hang over the rest of Michigan season. And as a result of Michigan being second in the country, maybe a favorite to win the, uh, you know, a national title, this is going to hang over the rest of the college football season. I think so. I, I'm dubious as to uh, you know, how much, and, and, or just maybe it'll hang over. Uh, any time Michigan goes anywhere, there's going to be more Connor Stallion signs in the crowd than, than those supporting the, the home team, right? I mean, it's just, Let's call it what it is. And I, and I wouldn't, I, I'd be the same if I was a visiting fan and the Wolverines came to town. I, you, don't, you don't pass up this kind of golden opportunity when it's handed to you. I, but Eli, whether this derails the Wolverines, whether this knocks them off stride toward a potential you know, Big Ten championship, we'll see what happens against Penn State and Ohio State, another appearance in the playoff potentially. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I just sort of think I've recalibrated in the NIL era. I've sort of recalibrated what people think is, you know, deviousness or, or crimes against the sport. Um, outside of uh, like real behavior to, to someone else, like personal, what do you know what I mean? Personal behavioral crimes, that stuff will always, I, I hope, be taken seriously. Or uh, i.e. Baylor, i.e. Penn State is what I'm talking about there. Uh, but in something, with something like this, I just think there's just been an adjustment in terms of how we see, well, sort of everyone does it now, it, it, either in the case of name, image, and likeness, we're bending the, the, the rules to make it, you know, obvious up, above the table, so to speak. With sign stealing, that this is, as every coach who I think has been asked about it, including Venables this week, everyone's acknowledged that it's been going on as long as they can remember, right? It's just a matter of to what degree. And to me, I don't think the damage is necessarily going to be to Michigan's season or their championship aspirations. All this does is make Jim Harbaugh seem more bizarre, right? He's just mm -hmm. a strange guy. He's a, he's a really good coach, a really smart coach. I don't dispute that. He's just weird. I don't know, well, I don't know how else to say it. Well, he's, and the fact is we're, we're talking about a team that probably didn't need to do any of this. Given their talent, right. given what they've been, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but this, of course, colors it all. How can you separate this from what they've done the last two, three years, beating Ohio State, being in the playoff, all that? Right. I would say, scroll Twitter long enough, and you will find people who are saying this is worse than what went down at Penn State and Baylor. Uh, but I think you you're, you talk about kind of the era we're in, and that's what's important here. The NCAA is so powerless now to punish. Right on anything whatever the case is here I, I think the big question is 
can they find a smoking gun that connects us to Jim Harbaugh? Um, that's going to be the central question. But even if so, the NCAA is so slow on, on things like this. I, I don't think you're going to see the NCAA or the Big Ten. I really have doubts that the Big Ten is going to ban Michigan from its title game and, and any of that. So yeah, I think no you're not going to yeah, get right. a, you're not going to get a penalty in season that is going to impact things. Now, could this whole thing spiral their season? This this will be a test of Michigan's fortitude and ability to cut out the noise and all the other uh, cliches you might hear from any coach, or maybe you'll hear from Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. I don't know when he's the last time he's gotten in front of a microphone or mm-hmm. if he's speaking and and whatnot. But point is, I think you're right that from an enforcement standpoint. I mean, this may, they may never get penalized like people want them to. Um, what was that? Sorry. Callaway is not a sponsor. Callaway is not oh, a sponsor sorry. of sorry. Letterman Jacket. We don't give away free airtime here. Uh, I was playing a little office golf. What about this guy? Is this a sponsor? You even heard of this? Actually, we're, we're in talks. We're in talks. Okay, involving. so I can do this. I'll start. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I, nervous habit. I've done this since I was in college <laughs> studying for finals. I always have to I have like a ball in my hand. Yeah, so. I like it. Shows, well, it was golf today. I, I like golf. I'm making this. for discount rates and twilight rounds. I'm making this so easy for you today. I'm sorry. It's great. This is great. This is our best one yet, I think. But Michigan, right, they're not. I don't think anything's going to slam down on them. No, but no. If, they, if they trip up at any point, you, we're going to, A, wonder, did this seep into it? It's going to be hard to separate. Yeah. And that's going to be the first thing people point to, say, well, you didn't have Ohio State signs this time. Uh, well, that's, that's right. And that's going to be – it's going to be more court of public opinion than it is court of the NCAA yep. or committee of infractions. Yeah, what, what Harbaugh's done for himself is dig a potentially deep hole in terms of character and in terms of uh, you're just inviting problems, to your point. You're right. That's it. I don't – again, long term, I don't – I, I can't imagine this is going to hurt, um, but this could come back in the short term if if they do lose at Penn State or if they do lose the, the game against the Buckeyes uh, in, in Ann Arbor. Yes, this all this does is invite derision, and that's why it's it's silly that <laughs> and not that although not that surprising that someone like Harbaugh would go to this length. That he's just I don't know how else to say it, man. He's just He's a bizarre, bizarre person who also happens to be a really damn good coach. Worth noting, the Harbaugh's were pretty hard on Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Uh, just as a, as a family, they spoke out pretty strongly uh, during the Spygate stuff. Funny how that comes around 15 years later. Mm-hmm. Another thing, Michigan probably on a collision course right now to, to play Iowa in the, the Big Ten title game. You think they bothered to go get Brian Ferentz's signals? They were just like, that'd be too easy. That'd be way too easy. We can't. That's where they drew the line. Yeah. You take this week off, Connor, <laughs> right? You sit this one out. Go, go, go study your WWE script for the, uh, for the big <laughs> match against uh, Kamala, the Ugandan warrior. <laughs> well, uh, we, you mentioned that Brent Venables acknowledged that you know, sign stealing has been a part of the game or is a part of the game. It's why right. you swap. I think what stuck out to me, to whatever degree coaches have you know, acknowledged it this week, you said you'd be naive, even negligent, to assume it couldn't happen or that it's not being attempted to happen. And that's why you, know, you, look, at, you look at a college sideline on a game day. It'd be interesting even just this week through this lens to, to keep an eye on what the Sooners yeah. do. 
you got signs going up with like the Boston Red Sox logo and the Nike swoosh. I don't know how you, and and then you've got a whole staff of assistants, a bunch of bunch of Connor Stallions holding up those uh, those screens behind, so people can't even see them. So teams clearly, there's a level of paranoia or an understanding of the risk that this stuff happens. Um, but I think maybe similar to the the Houston Astros, it's they took they took it too far. Everyone in Major League Baseball would say, yeah, we try to steal signs, but when you got computers involved, or in this case. Um, Michigan seems to have stepped over several different lines. That's mm-hmm. where uh, it crosses the line. And I do wonder with how presumably upset, you know, more than half of the Big Twelve, uh, Big Ten conference coaches might be. Maybe that's where the 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 block and and the pressure comes from to do something here. Again, I don't think that happens this fall. Well, real quick before we move on, uh, Eli. The- there's another thing, right? If this were Texas caught doing this, if this were Sark caught doing this, we we would be burning every minute of every sellout crowd podcast on the topic this week. So helps to be in the in you know sort of in the fight, right? And mm-hmm. Not just for coaches, but but fans and and uh, and media, because then then it's it, it becomes more real uh, because you're reporting on it constantly and you're trying to wrestle with it constantly. So. Easy for us, I suppose, in Oklahoma to sort of downplay what's going on in Ann Arbor, Michigan. But if this podcast were originating out of Detroit, uh, we might be having a much there might be a much different tone of what we're talking about here. Well, we'd be eating some pan pizza and listening to Motown, too. We would be doing that. That'd be nice. We would hmm. be doing that. Um, and we would be. <laughs> We'd be wondering what kind of stage name uh, Sark Spy was was working under. Yeah, Probably, yeah. There, since it being Texas, can you imagine the possibilities? Uh, could wow, that would be good. Imagine if uh, this was Lincoln Riley. I'm sure no one, no one in Norman would have any thoughts on that. Oh my lord! Yeah, yeah. I now forget what I said about Texas. If this were if Lincoln Riley, had been caught with this the the, the obsession around here. Lincoln Riley Brett misses a tooth with uh, with his Colgate in the morning. It becomes it becomes a topic anymore. So I heard he didn't floss last night. Actually, I saw that on a message board. I don't floss a lot either, Eli. I'm not afraid to admit it. So I'm, it, it, <laughs> I'm we get a dental sponsor on here. Maybe the <laughs> you up for a contract extension already? I'm just you know trying to create value everywhere I can. <laughs> well. It's, we've got it. We're, we're headed to Lawrence, Kansas this weekend. We shouldn't be worried about new contracts. We should be worried about keeping our jobs uh, in a weekend in Lawrence, Kansas. Because you got, as as noted, a Mizzou alum staying with a handful of KU grads in Lawrence around Halloween. I don't like the vibes of that, not one bit. So, folks, you heard it here first. If something happens, this will be in the forty-eight hours uh, episode. This right here. Just saying. You don't trust the Emic family renting the Airbnb for our guest uh, from from Missouri. By what? Well, from New York. See, that's the thing, Eli. We don't see you as from Columbia. Mm. We see you as from. Well, that works. That's a good helps me. I trust you guys. I don't trust Jayhawks because that's is it even a thing? Is a Jayhawk a thing? Unclear. Unclear. But the Sooners face a team, the Jayhawks, who we don't even know what their mascot is this weekend. They're favored by ten points on the road. Sounds like Peyton Bowen, who he he didn't play a lot against UCF, but when you saw him play, you wouldn't have even known he was dealing with a foot injury because he went unblocked and picked up his first sack of his career. 
Tawi Walker expected back after an in-house suspension. That should be a boost for the running game. We'll see how much of a boost. Uh, There hasn't been a lot of boost in that backfield, Uh, but that helps. And the one we didn't get to ask Brent Venables about this week, McCade Matoyer, uh, is he going to be back? That was the most disarray on the offensive line we've seen from the Sooners all year was against UCF, and that was with Caden Green, I think, pretty successfully locking down that left guard spot. But on the other side, Savion Bird and Caleb Schaefer, a bit of a mixed bag. They split the snaps almost down the middle. Probably did so adequately. I bet one of those guys, if given the opportunity, could could pull ahead. But we know that McCabe Matoyer is one of the most important guys on this line. Uh, did get in for one snap. He ran onto the field for an extra point. It looked like they had an, an issue with subbing and 10 men on the field. Uh, so I think that preserves his game's play streak. But more importantly for the Sooners would be having him back. But Garen, flip it around. Jayhawks coming off a bye. They're 5-2. and two, Had that hairy loss in Stillwater. You saw them the last time they played. Mm-hmm. What are the Sooners getting, whether they're seeing Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels under center? They're getting an offense that was starting to you know, look the part of, of threatening a year ago when, when they went to Norman and scored 42, right? 52-42. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't at that game, but I believe that's, that's the right score. Bean had four touchdown passes. I think it's so. A good day. Sooner yeah. bounced back from Texas, but Jason Bean wasn't wasn't the problem. Yeah, no. Um, Daniels missed that game, but Bean hit hit OU for some plays. The offense is much better than the one a year ago, and the one a year ago was pretty good. I and mean, that one, of course, had Jalen Daniels uh, when he was healthy, playing about as well as he's ever uh, played football. But the line wasn't quite as in sync, and I don't still get the sense that the offense had really come to complete grips with Lance Leipold's system or his offensive coordinator's system. And I mean, it's, it's a situation in Lawrence. It's not that different than the one in Oklahoma with regard to the Venables and the defense. If the first order of business for Brent when he took the job was fixing the defense. I think that, that Leipold uh, started with the offense, realizing that he had a talent like Daniels to, to sort of build around, get that going. Then we'll get <laughs> We'll get to the defense eventually, um, and that and that unfortunately is from a Kansas perspective has, has become a bit of the issue. KU is good offensively, and there's a reason Venables went out of his way to to tell everyone how well coached uh, Kansas is, especially on offense on Tuesday at his press conference. They have guys who can bust you open. OSU found out the hard way a couple of weeks ago, even in winning, but KU is still a long ways from being where where it needs to be defensively, and. If, if Leipold is really going to work something Bill Snyder-esque in terms of miracles in, in Kansas, uh, he's going to have to figure that out eventually. And I didn't get the sense from seeing KU personally against OSU two weeks ago that they had figured that out. They may be closer, but they're not there yet. And we'll see how the weather is. Doesn't look real cooperative as it's of gonna, now. Look, it's going to be a yucky day in Lawrence. I mean, they're all 365 days a year in Lawrence. Or yucky, if you ask me, but uh, but this looks like a particularly yucky day. I looked at the forecast. Yeah, I'm gonna let that one fly, <laughs> and get and get back to the breakdown. If if the weather's not good, that actually t- uh, to me favors um, the Sooners because I I think that as much as we were wondering about the run game, I think that Oklahoma can can we thought they'd be able to run on UCF. And that was so so so, but this. Believe me, they can run on Kansas, right? If the, if the line's in, in better sync, if they get 
Tawi Walker back, if Saw Chuck picks up where he left off, heck, if Marcus Major picks up where he left off, he had what 82, 88 yards. Yeah, 80 he had a nice day, and he's playing with an injury too. Yeah, he looked, but he looked good. What I'm saying is, if this, if this is a day not conducive to airing it out because of cold or rain or both, I actually think that even though Devin Neal is the best running back in this game, and he's a Kansas, he's a Kansas player, not an Oklahoma one, the Sooners might actually be set up to to get through more because of KU's defense, if that makes sense. They're still really soft, and we opened the show by talking about Oklahoma changing its identity to favor its defense. Sooners, I, I trust a lot more defensively to stop Neal than the Jayhawks stopping Walker, Sawchuck, or Major, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's the point, and it is, it's kind of an analog to UCF. It's like, yes, they can get big plays on offense, but yes, their defense is, is liable to give up big plays. A Oklahoma big took plays, its yeah. time took a long time to do that against UCF. Uh, was it the run game? Was it a post bye week letdown? Mm-hmm. The vaunted Texas hangover that I thought we had put that myth to bed last week. Uh, this didn't help that. Um, but point is, this is an offense. doesn't matter that they don't have Andrew Anthony. They've got plenty of firepower. They have, if they have all their running backs available, within there, some alchemy of, of the right combination to run. Point is, Whatever Kansas can do on offense, Oklahoma should be able to do better against the Kansas defense. And you would think that that's, the, that's how it's going to play out. I thought Brent Venables was very complimentary of, of Lance Leipold. Had a, a Sunflower State reference in there. Of course, mm-hmm. Brent Venables, Kansas guy. Um, but seems you know genuinely, um, at, he admires what, what they've done. And, and I think as a Kansas guy, seems you know to, he understands the rivalries there. He knows what football can mean there. So to see it good, I, I think, um, you know, he, he seemed to, to really appreciate that. We'll see what he goes and does to a Kansas football team this weekend. I'll ask you this, though, before we move on. Mm-hmm. This is going to be Oklahoma's last audition before the first college football playoff rankings drop. And last week was kind of their real first shot at showing us who they were after the Texas win and after all the expectations had arrived. It wasn't the cleanest showing. In that respect, what do you think they need to do this weekend? They don't need to to shoot into the playoff field right now. There's a lot of time left, but what do you think they need to prove before uh, before those first rankings drop on Tuesday? Well, we talked about this last week, Eli. It, it does seem strange to be thinking about uh, again scores mattering when the when the re- first reveal isn't even out yet. But this is this is where you are. Number one, if you're still unbeaten and you, you're still alive in the race, and Let's let's again be clear that OU's going to need to run the table to get in. I'm, I'm almost positive of that. And so they're still alive. They didn't didn't you know comfortably get out of the weekend, but they're here at seven and zero, and so it's relevant. Number two, because of the fact that outside of Texas, that was an impressive showing. No way, there's I could say it wasn't, but outside of that, the opportunities for attention grabbing wins just aren't going to be there for either OU or Texas or anyone else contending in the Big 12 Conference for any playoff position. Because the conference isn't what it, is, it, it, it has been before or needed to be this year to help you know the, the, the OUs and the Texases and the playoff contenders. And so I would suggest that if the Sooners win the game, that they do so more handily than 31-29. Okay? I think so. Kansas is a better opponent than UCF. Games on the road, not at home. The weather's not going to be as, cool, as, as pleasant. There's a lot of things working against OU in that regard, but it, they got to 
they got to figure that out. They got to push through, play better on offense, run the ball against a team that's going to give up some plays and be in the right place at the right time, not 80% of the time, but closer to, you know, 100 to keep uh, the Jayhawks from hanging around. Uh, because all that's going to do is get the attention of the most important people in college football, and those are the committee members. I think it wouldn't be a bad weekend for either Dylan Gabriel or this defense to have some like a, an outstanding game, not just good enough. And that, that goes into everything you just laid out. But if Dylan Gabriel can bolster his Heisman trophy campaign or the Sooners defense can kick in another gear against a pretty good offense, we'll see who's playing quarterback. That would certainly help. Now, Garen, in our business, being balanced and objective is important. I do feel it's important as I, I head to Lawrence this weekend to just say I, I do appreciate Alan Fieldhouse. I appreciate Paul Pierce. Wait, you're the first person I think who's ever said that. I know. I know. Well, I, you know, that's, again, that's breaking news. I'm not all in time. Here's the reality I went to the University of Missouri in all those years they'd played Kansas once in one sport and it was a relief exhibition basketball game. So I don't have, don't bring a lot of bona fides to the whole border war conversation. And so before, you know, the, the earlier parts of this podcast get hijacked and, and my, I, we arrive in Lawrence and my face is on wanted posters. I just needed to, to at least, you know, throw something out there. It kind of blew my cover. I was seeing if they could really believe it, but, uh, you just ripped it right off. Sorry. I'm sorry. Or I'm not, or maybe I'm not sorry. You'll have to. Well, you be the judge. We're going to find Garrett. out this weekend. But we're going to kick off Garen or Gare out since we're headed to Lawrence, since you know Lawrence so well, with a, a couple Lawrence-themed questions. Uh, Garen, Gare out, Free State Brewing. Have you, uh, have you hit, hit the brewery? A couple pops there before uh, on, on a, any recent visits? That is about as Garen as any Garen has been on the uh, podcast, Eli. Mm. What should I know? Are you going to perhaps show me this weekend? Can the we explore? Beer, the, with regard to Free State, as good as the beer is, and it's pretty good, the food's even better. That's the secret Now you're speaking my language. State. Now you're speaking my yeah, language. You, you're going to be just fine sitting down for a nice meal at Free State. All right. Uh, how about if, if we wanted to get some ice cream? Would Silas and Maddie's homemade ice cream be where we'd head? Is Garen on that too? Garen. Not as much as Garen's wife is Garen on Silas and Maddie's, but it's it's quality, yes. Hmm. Garen on Lance Leipold as uh, the guy who's going to get things truly, truly right at Kansas long term? I'm leaning Garen, yeah, I am. Probably the only question, fear would be, does he get poached by somebody else? Yes. Uh, there is a world circling back on the Jim Harbaugh conversation. However this ends, does it end with Jim Harbaugh no longer, you know, heading back to the NFL? And if he did, and that's the most coveted job in college football that would be open, maybe Leipold's on that list. I don't mean to scare you. Uh, it just occurred to me that that could be the case. As mentioned, well, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I would say this. Uh, I would feel getting through from a Kansas perspective, the, the Wisconsin being open and Leipold's history as a mm. coach in Wisconsin and him staying at KU and seemingly, you know, authentic about the reasons why he was staying at Kansas and will look forward to, you know, bigger and better moving on down the road. After that experience a year ago, I'm a little more secure. I know it usually works the opposite direction when you got a coach doing what Leipold's doing in, uh, in Lawrence, but I actually think that the jobs he would jump to uh, get exponentially smaller 
right? Every every Reasonable. year. And, and that Michigan State, for instance, I think he'd be nuts to take that job because of all the problem too. for the problems of Michigan State. But it's a Big Ten job that can pay a lot more money. So well, I guess back to Michigan, you know, I think I think Michigan, anytime that's open, lands in a class of five to ten jobs in college football that matter than all the rest. Oklahoma's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michigan would be two. Those that it might be one of only a handful of schools who I think would even have a shot. Because I think you're right. I think Lance Leipold's shown he wants to hang around. I don't think if he were to ever move, it would be a a loose decision or going anywhere as uncertain as, for instance, Michigan State is right now. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's real quick before you fire another one at me. But let's say Sam Pittman gets uh, cut loose at Arkansas. That that might be that might give me pause. Could be that might but give then, me that's an interest. I mean, that's not an easy job either, right? And there and are you also think about fit. You're talking about a guy who spent time what in in Wisconsin, and I think Kansas is probably more of a cultural fit. You I get agree. down to you get to Arkansas, it's a whole different animal, whole different hog, as they say. I you know you're right, and it's also the matter of coaching in the Big Twelve without OU in Kansas anymore versus coaching you know in the SEC, which actually doesn't look as daunting this year, but is it just a one-off in terms that of, a, yeah. and, and even in a one-off Arkansas struggling. So how, how far down are the Razorbacks and we even suspect? So I, I, it's, just, it's, it's another example of if they wanted to pony up and if it was a money grab, then Leipold's not going to stay at, at KU that much longer. But I, I sort of get the sense that he's about quite a bit more than that. Every coach says he's about more than that, but do you believe him? I think I'm starting to believe that Leipold is, is about more than that. Well, I sense that if, if the MIZs don't do the trick in terms of antagonizing people this weekend, I could bring this topic up anywhere around Lawrence, and it probably wouldn't make me many more friends, would it? Lance, Lance Leipold leaving for another gig. Well, or you could mention Bill Self leaving for another gig, and that, ah. that, might, that might make things a little less, un, less comfortable for you in Lawrence. Hmm. All right, good, good to have stuff in the back pocket. Uh, OU is a 10-point favorite on the road. They were 17.5-point favorites last week, didn't cover that, didn't even come close. Do you like OU, Gary in or Gare out, as a, a double-digit favorite on the road this weekend? I'm Gare out on the line. That seems a little high to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's in the ballpark, but I, I don't know if I'd go 10. Now, looking down to Texas, they you know the same way Oklahoma struggled, uh, after playing Texas, Texas struggled after playing Oklahoma. No Quinn Ewers, he left injured. He's going to be out for a few weeks at least, and I think that's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. They squeak past Houston. They've got a toughish road ahead, as tough as it can be in the Big 12. I'll ask you first, can Texas run the table, which it, it kind of has to do to preserve any kind of uh, college football playoff hope without Quinn Ewers? I, yeah, I'd say Garen on that. I, this this is me saying that without having seen. Malik, was Malik Murphy still the guy? Malik right? Murphy's going to be the guy. Not Wonder Boy. Not Arch. Could be Wonder Boy. Um, but take away the quarterback. I mean, he's going to have to play. He's got to play pretty well, whoever it is. But you can remove the quarterback from an offense as as skilled and and lethal as Texas. Combine that with a reliable, if not you know, tri- you know, not it's not an impenetrable defense, but it's fairly reliable. And, and, and combine the fact that this is, we're talking about the big 12, not the PAC 12 where Texas would probably be made to pay for that 
or the Big Ten even if, if they had to bump up eventually against uh, Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan, not just one of the three, this would be more treacherous. But I, I'd, I'd actually gear in still on the possibility that even without Ewers for an extended period of time, that, that the Horns could get back to a, the Big 12 title game uh, without losing between now and then. Perhaps that's an entree into this question then. At this point in the season, gear in or gear out on someone, a team other than Oklahoma and Texas being in Arlington for that game, the Big 12 title Ooh, game? Oh, that is a good question because you know who that, you know, I know exactly who that someone that you're thinking is without saying it. Um, I've got a few someones in mind. Oh, I've, I've only got a someone. Should we establish who, who the someones are before we finish this? Or, or, I think it's relative. I'm not saying I, you know, I haven't looked at everyone's schedule and said, made my pick, but I think. Kansas State, I think Oklahoma State, and I think Iowa State, at least on on record and with how wonky the Big 12 has been, at least them. If I've, I, maybe I've overlooked somebody, no. but that's at least what the, the teams that are going through my mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm just landing on OSU just because I've seen a lot more of them lately, and I've seen how miraculous their, their turnaround has become the last three weeks. I, I'd still say gear out, but it is a less – it is a less certain gear out every time you ask me that question, I'll bet, at least between now and Bedlam next weekend. Uh, I fully expect both the Sooners and the Cowboys to win Saturday, and you'll have to ask me that question again on next week's show, and I'll, I, I think I'd be less confident in saying gear out. Last one here. You see the story out of UTSA, Texas San Antonio this week with Jeff <laughs> Trailer. Oh, um he uh, the, the the rat trap right or the mountain Correct. Mouse trap don't eat the trap? cheese rat trap so for those who missed it those who aren't paying attention to the ongoings in san antonio the roadrunners right yes well they've won they had a rough start to the year won three straight and that puts them back in their conference championship race they got a big game with one and six east carolina this weekend and before that monday morning all the players showed up 112 guys, each one with a rat trap in their locker. Idea there being motivational tactic, don't eat the cheese, don't listen to the noise, all that. Backfired when somebody left one of these rat traps on the lectern that uh, Jeff Trailer speaks from. He got, I don't know, did he get bit by a trap, trapped by a trap? It closed on his finger and he, his finger blew up in a whole, some big way. Um, he said it might have killed a lesser man. Um, he did not. I guess that's he really long, say that? He did, I mean, he tongue in cheek, but that's actually um, great. I guess all that to say, you gear in or gear out on motivational tactics that rise to the level of rat traps and lockers. Normally, gear out, but in a case like this, where it's where it's fodder like that, gear in always just to just to entertain us because. At the end of the day, Eli, this really is about how much joy are we getting out of a college mm. football season, not the coaches or the players or the fans, just us. Well, from counter stallions to rat traps, uh, it's, it's deli- college football is delivering on all of its wildest uh, promises. Every year, we know we can expect something. This year has, has certainly delivered, and we're, what, we're hardly halfway through. We got so much in front of us. This weekend, we got a trip to Lawrence in front of us. And we got to get packing. We got to get going. So we're going to wrap up here on the Letterman jacket. If you've made it this far and you like what you've, you've heard or seen, that beautiful face on the other side of this pod, Garen Emig, delights you. Subscribe, review. We love to hear from you. And as always, you can find us on the Letterman jacket. 
Darren Ebig on Mind Games. Big guest this week. You can tell us about in a second. But you can find us YouTube, Spotify, Apple, uh, everywhere you get your podcasts. Our coverage is at selloutcrowd.com, EliLetterman.com, GarenEmig.com. Garen, who do you have on the pod this week, and what else do you have coming? Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider for Action Network. Uh, just taped before I came on with you. A lot of talk about Bedlam, which, if you know anything about Brett, is not a surprise. OSU alum, proud OSU alum, Brett McMurphy, who grew up, yes, a Sooner fan. Hmm. And openly admits <laughs> he can be as bought as easily as some of the players uh, that have been not, not so much by OSU, but he, he has, let's just say, Let's just say he's got a double-edged interest in Bedlam and Bedlam coming to an end. So we had a very interesting talk about that. Well, very good. I'll be excited to listen to it, folks. Head there once you've once you've gotten through here. Come here first, please. But once you've gotten through Always that, I'm sure it was a fascinating conversation with Brett McMurphy, a voice who you'll hear, uh, you know, nationally as, as the college football playoff stuff heats up, uh, and we're going to be diving into all of that starting next week but first we'll see what the Sooners do in Lawrence and we'll be back on Letterman Jacket uh, early next week.